Landry's and, problem is he, he shoots for the moon and he just somehow misses the stars. Like he, <laughs> oh my always, god, that's beautiful. He, yeah. he always shoots way out of his league. Like Landry Clark has no business talking. <laughs> he tries to, to kick to, the sixty-yard field goal every time. Yeah, <laughs> like, Jess way out of his league. Tyra way out of. But his league. But he's got game though. He fucking runs her over and is like, "Sup? <laughs> <laughs> Guess we got some paperwork to fill out, girl." Between murder and like vehicular uh, instances, yeah. he has a real like strange way of. Like, you know, how they do, but he closes. He does. <laughs> they do recuts like on that. Those are, everyone oh, yeah, like the Five Hard Days of Summer yeah. one. Like, like, yeah. Uh, Always Sunny recut as a horror or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You could recut this as Landry as like, like a rapist psychopath. Oh, yeah. Who just runs over and murders to get in The girls fact pants. that he's played by Jesse Plemons doesn't it help his case helps. either. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, season four, a uh, season of significant roster turnover, if you will, for the show. This is a huge, huge season for our man, uh, Billy Riggins. So Every season's a big season for Billy Riggins. Every season's a big season for Billy Riggins, but this is the one, I mean, like, amidst all of the shuffling of people going in and out, they're like, all right, priority number one, Billy Riggins, you're a star of the show, and you're going to fuck everything up for everybody. So I loved season four. Seasons four and five, for me, um, like say how special this show is, because they totally dump the cast, and it's on some network that no one's ever heard of, and it's still absolute flames. It's such a culture shock when you like completely switch the teams and pretty much switch everybody in the cast. Yeah. It's- is a, a big thing to get used to. So quick, so just a quick summary. So Riggins, Saracen, Lila, Tyra, they've all graduated. Uh, the cast is now split between two schools, which is Dillon and East Dillon. And uh, the Riggins home front is now like the second home base of the show in addition to the Taylor household. Uh, Billy, Landry, Mindy are promoted to pretty much main characters. Lila, Tyra, Street uh, are gone. Lorraine is barely there, which is... Very, very nice for yours, Mitch. truly. I love that. Um, and now there's a boatload of new people. There's Vince Howard. There's Jess and Virgil Merriweather. Luke Cafferty. Becky Sproles. Um, we'll get into the the bigger guns like Vince Howard and everything. But in general, how did you guys feel about the, the turnover that's presented with season four? Well, I think you put it gr- the best, like, it shows how strong that show is that they could pretty much uproot everything, completely change the show, and it's still amazing. So that's how I feel about it. I this and this speaks to how good it was. I hated it at first before I ever saw it. Like I hated the idea of it. I hated the fact that coach was going to a new school. I hated the fact that he was getting fucked with a new school. He wasn't even going to a good school. I hated every idea they had. Yeah. And by the end of it, I thought it was probably the best season. I basically felt that same way because I like fell in love with Dylan. I fell in love with like the Dylan Panthers, and then you just get thrown into like the East Dylan Lions. Like fuck, I have to like love another team. Well, I'll say this: I was into it, but only because uh, there is that uh, epic scene, maybe one of the top five action scenes in all of Friday Night Lights, which is a young boy, Vincent Howard, being chased by the cops. Because as an adult, I've seen, like, I watched this show as an adult and not when it was on. I already know who Michael B. Jordan is. So when I got to that point, I'm like, oh, fuck. So now Michael B. Jordan's in this? This is fucking yeah. awesome. I I guess I understand at the time. Like, Michael Jordan, you, you couldn't have known who, or Michael B. Jordan, you could have known who he was at the time. And I'd never seen The Wire either, so I had no clue who he was. Yeah, oh, this, okay. So this he was, was coming from... Yeah, he okay. was Wallace on The Wire. This was first. pre before I watched The Wire, so I had a similar, like, who is it? Like... But uh, Wallace is also see, like a I'd very seen, beloved character. So I, I saw that awkward moment before I saw Friday Night Lights. <laughs> so when I saw Michael B. Jordan running <laughs> from the cops. You made the most <laughs> unlikely connection. Like, oh, Michael B. Jordan, the guy from that awkward right, moment. It's like, oh, yeah, it's the doctor from that awkward moment. Is this guy playing a doctor? Why are the cops chasing him? Um, yeah, I was, I, was ju- I was on board with it, but only because I was like, something with Michael B. Jordan's not going to be bad. Yeah, I, I mean, like watching it as late as I did, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, Michael B. Jordan's in this. So I guess let's just jump into Coach Taylor 
uh, going to East Dillon, which is where they leave off at the end of season three. Uh, so in summary, Coach Taylor, who has been to two state championships in three years and in that three-year span also has coaching experience at a major Division One college program, gets fired from his job for some reason and ends up at a school that does not have a football program. I think that of all the unbelievable things in this show, like Arnett Mead would wipe out its entire coaching staff to make room for that guy. Like any school across the country or any college program would take on this guy as a quarterback's coach or something. So, well, I think I, he went because he wanted to stay with Tammy because Tammy was the principal. I think that's why he agreed to go. I yeah, that's well, that's I mean, like, like, he, but I mean, like he couldn't he, have made the commute huge, to Arnett Mead every day. Yeah, well, a huge part of that whole discussion like was from season two where he came back. He was like, "Dylan's my home. I'm staying in Dylan." But Dylan like, treated him like shit, be. man. He took him to no, I no, I I realized that like that is the most unrealistic part of the entire thing is that. Why is he Dylan married would, to Dylan? Or Dylan would no that Dylan would fire him. That's what yeah. Uh, that's yeah. what I thought we were after, getting at. After I, I get him state, after making the state championship. Well, I mean, money talks. Like, they were able to spin that it was his fault they didn't win because they didn't play JD McCoy the right way. Even though JD McCoy was the reason they fucking lost that game. No, no, and, and I hate being the guy who's like that part's not believable. That part's bullshit. Mm. I, I like being. Uh, you like entering its world, entrenched into yeah. the show, and like going, like, okay, that happened, that happened. You told me you're the writer, <laughs> um, but no fucking committee would choose the quarterback who has a year, two years left. How old is JD at this point? Is he, uh, is JD's a sophomore, a sophomore, a sophomore. entering his sophomore year. Okay, yeah. so like you wouldn't you wouldn't get rid of a coach who's pledged himself to you. Oh right, for the quarterback for two more years and the dad's wallet. For Especially no a program that. that learned that you can have the next Peyton Manning, and then in a second have him paralyzed and your whole program is fucked. And, and that's gonna... when you need the coach <laughs> right. to turn fucking J.P. Ser- uh, JP Lossman Matt Saracen <laughs> into this like Peyton Manning Matt Saracen that he ended up becoming. I think it goes to show, too, why it's so easy. The transition was so natural. It's because they go a long way to make Wes Dillon like super evil and you really like don't want to be a Panther anymore so I think that helped ease the transition like they're they fired coach they're gunning after Tammy they made poor buddy cry at a barbecue yeah. like yeah. it's not well, cool it's not like you have to like you, it's not like you're torn between rooting for exactly East and except West with the addition though of uh Wade Aikman and Joe McCoy there's nothing really new about East Dillon or about West Dillon that you're hating. They're showing you the well, same thing you've been watching the yeah. whole time, just through kind of a different lens. But it's and like, you're like, wow, these people are seedy as fuck. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, but I mean, like you said, that it makes it easier because you're rooting for East Dillon. But like at the same time, I feel like it that also kind of sucks because, like I said, I fell in love with with Dillon for yeah. the first three seasons, and then all of a sudden it's like. No, you should hate this place because these dudes are fucking dickheads. Well, it's like it's like what the Red Sox did to us when they got rid of Nomar. Like I am looking at Nomar, which is why I thought of this. Like Nomar was our coach Taylor, where he was he was beloved, he was our guy, and they kicked him out of town and besmirched his name. They talked shit about him, and, and that's exactly what they did. But I'm still with the Red Sox, so it I would be really it. fucked up if like we secretly had Nomar Garcia Parra here the whole time, but we just didn't give him <laughs> yeah. a microphone and yeah. just like, sorry guys, it's us. Picture. So I guess on the subject of uh, the ouster of Eric Taylor, nobody b- goes from bad to fucking abhorrent in this show like J.D. McCoy does. Oh and God. I mean, he's gone by the end of the season, but holy fucking cow. Yeah, season three, he was like, wow, this kid's a little bitch. And then in season four, it's like, this kid is a full-on right, douchebag. Right, like, we need, like, Landry, can you do the thing that you do to, to people and when you, when you kill them? <laughs> yeah. and, that would have been great. <laughs> Landry murdered Jamie But yeah, McCoy. episode one, he's fighting with, he's uh, flirting with Julie and he gets in a fight with Sarah. Which, by the way, worst flirting in the world. Oh, yeah. Uh, Still doesn't have game. Hits, hits on someone with a boyfriend and is like, sup, I'm the quarterback now. You know what? I'm going to pick you up, and you really aren't cool with me doing that. And I'm going to throw you in the pool now. <laughs> Worst game ever. But, like, that, I, I would feel uncomfortable if J.D. McCoy actually had game, because there's no way he would have game. Didn't yeah, he, he, like, mention that, like, he got his, her dad fired, too? Like, her dad came up. I forget what the exact conversation was. Yeah, but, like, well, I, I think yeah. he kicks off the conversation. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> what's your dad doing delivering pizzas? <laughs> right. Something like that. Uh, but he's brutal. Uh, the I, That... that Storyline is the opposite of Coach Taylor for me, though, because that happens 
with like every kid in high school where like the summer happens and then it's who the fuck is this kid? Like I used to be my friend. Yeah, yeah. Like, who the fuck are you now? Well, it's everyone when the kid it's so when quickly. everyone makes JV and then one of your friends makes varsity and you're like, "No, it's we're all going to it's going to be the same group of friends. It's all going to be the same and everything." And then Nah, once they get that varsity cologne on them, then doesn't shit. he have like bleached hair in this too? He does like have that? frosted tips. Frosted. That's yeah. it, frosted yeah. tips. The pure sign of like evil yeah. in a teen. That's the perfect way to be say, okay, this kid's a douchebag now. He has yeah. frosted yeah. tips. How do we sell this? Yeah. He has, frosted tips. He has frosted tips, and lest we forget, uh, a fucking paintball gun oh, yeah. with tons of ammunition, and that's what, I mean. So when I was in high school, my friends and I used to drive around with squirt guns and do drive-bys, and we th- that was like the that was like our very white version of of being badass. Uh, driving guns. around and fucking shooting people with paintball guns. I don't, none of us are from that's Texas. pretty hardcore. For, I don't know. Like, yeah. is that if that's an actual thing that that happens? That's no, fucking in Texas. Horrifying. I wouldn't be surprised if they did that with like real guns. That's true, actually. Um, by the way, best Tim Riggins line of uh, season four, other than just yelling. Billy, Billy. Um, when he comes back from college and it's like a, it's like three or four uh, episodes into the season and Billy's just like Billy hasn't said that he hates Tim yet, but it's really kind of coming to a boiling point. And Tim just wants to go hunting and no one wants to go hunting with him uh, because he has nothing to do. And he walks in with two rifles and Mindy is pregnant as fuck. And she's like. Tim, like, please don't have those in there. I don't need any stress. And he says something to the effect of, like, Mindy, I don't think they're loaded. It's fine. Like, he, do- like, he isn't quite sure whether or not he's pointing a gun at a pregnant woman. But he just, like, just shrugs it off. Uh, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, fuck, where were we? Uh, we were on uh, J.D. McCoy uh, sucking. Uh, let's, uh, let's, get, let's get to the, the other quarterback then, I guess. Actually, no, let's, let's get to Matt Saracen because they give him kind of the... Uh, the Smash Williams treatment. They keep him around after he's graduated. They give him about a season. They kill off his dad, and then he gets out of there. Uh, did it seem at all forced to you that he was still kind of lingering in those first few episodes, or it, does that yeah. aid the transition process? It did for me because it, there was no connection to football. Like when they kept Smash Williams around, there was still the football connection, right. and so it was like, all right, I understand this. But for like for Matt, it was just like they were keeping him around because he was a familiar character, and I, and I kind of appreciated it because there was so much turnover in season four that it was like nice to have the familiar face mm-hmm. of Matt yeah. Saracen. But at the same time, there really wasn't there wasn't a good storyline. See, that's to, the, like to, I to agree. I didn't need any of the shit they had him for, but they needed to have someone when they were doing that much turnover. Like I think that it's great that uh, Landry was the only player that stayed and it somehow fucking worked but i think that the reason it did work is because they had these kind of other non-football people still in the picture it didn't it didn't really stick out to me as awkward because saracen wasn't like smash was exclusively a football player saracen was so much more than that like saracen's coach's son essentially Mm. saracen dates uh amy teagard and julie he there's so much more to his character than just football where smash was if he's not playing football then what the fuck's this guy doing here Mm. so i i got like still wanting to follow his trajectory yeah uh sorry i was just gonna say that i think that they kind of like tied that into the whole matt and julie thing where like she's applying to colleges like all like to like BC and he just like wants to like stay around and it kind of helped them. UT Austin, hook them horns. Exactly. Is what she says to him. (laughs) And, uh, but yeah, the whole plot with his dad and the way they handled that was like a pretty incredible episode. And, uh, it, he, that was pretty awesome after he's done fucking around in the metal shop with uh, Richard Sherman for a couple episodes. That dude was the yes. worst. That yeah, that guy, he might be, I, I feel like we're going to talk about a few of the worst characters on Friday Night Lights very soon, but he might be up him and Giving us him and Becky in the same season was some bullshit. Oh, yeah. That you know was... what? Let's just fucking do it. Let's get right to Becky. Ugh. Jeff, it is your job to tell us why Becky's good, because this is not the first time we've all discussed Friday Night Lights with each other. Jeff is a Becky guy. And Wait, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. Are the... You no. are, you've defended Becky Sproles every time I've I've knocked her to you. No, I don't. Who are you? You're cheating on me, DJ. <laughs> Do you have another Friday Night Lights podcast? Oh, fucking Becky sucks. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, good. Um, I think we're talking uh, Lorraine now. Lorraine is where we oh, have a problem. God, I'm not a, not a Lorraine guy. But uh, okay, so <laughs> Becky, why doesn't it work with Becky? 
Is it because she's it's poorly acted? Weird. I think like, it's. I think that the acting and well, everything. Her, her that her acting char- is terrible, but like, there's nothing redeeming about her character either. She's yeah. just like a weird creep. Yeah, yeah. and I and think it, like, and no, because and like, the, she's so creepy that like it worries you that she's sending the the story into like a really weird place. Like if she were, if her and Tim were to start hooking up, that would make like give very conflicted feelings to anybody watching about Tim because like this girl's in high school. Right. He's a few years out and this would be fucking weird. You know who I do like is uh, Becky's mom is good. I like that. That actress, whatever yeah. her name is. Uh, Alicia Witch. Alicia like, Witch. Yeah. She's in everything. But don't need, don't need Becky. Becky's like the same. Like remember uh, that uh, Tim's little neighbor, uh, Bo, the yeah. five-year-old. Yep. She is basically that. Also proxy. sexual tension hey, between t- those yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Tim Riggins, can I get a ride? Hey, Tim Riggins, right. can I get a ride? Like, they are the same character, just like 12 years apart. Okay, easy, because I love Bo. Bo was adorable. No, Bo's yeah, awesome. Bo, Bo had his place, which... Uh, yeah. Bo didn't want to fuck Tim, which right. made you feel more comfortable. Bo kind of wanted to fuck Tim. <laughs> Bo didn't call a grieving family's home during their wake to ask for Tim so <laughs> she could get a, he could get a ride home yeah. from some pageant oh Ugh. god um yeah so where i didn't like becky i thought that jess was awesome yeah. i think that i think that the merriweather family all those little rascals yeah. uh uh steve harris's character at so with all the turnover they do they bring in a lot of new students and everything sneaky sneaky huge to bring in like a good actor to play another father figure slash voice of reason and a conflicted one at that I was a huge Virgil uh, Merriweather fan, but I guess for now let's just focus on Jess because A, she was a million times better than Becky, and B, every storyline she touched was interesting. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. It was she's also very attractive, which is strange because she was um, in Full House as Michelle Tanner's like best friend for a while. So oh, you're like, God, holy is that... shit, is that the same person? And wow, so talking about conflicting feelings. <laughs> um, but yeah, she's just a great character. She's interesting with Landry and Vince. It's a great tra- um, trajectory. Yeah, I thought the the Landry and Vince aspect was very interesting. Yeah, and it was uh, you like really didn't know who you wanted to root for there. Well, Land- well, Vince didn't want to like anybody initially. Like, for as good of a guy as he becomes, you have to remember that he was defiant towards every. He wasn't too defiant towards uh, towards Coach Taylor, but like he had a huge problem with Luke Cafferty right off the bat. Shame on us for not mentioning Luke until now. But he had a huge problem with him right off the bat. Landry was like clearly reaching out to him and trying to be friends with him, and he's like, "You don't know the the names of my friends and stuff." So, I, I mean. Truthfully, I was rooting for for Vince with uh, with Jess because Vince is just a fucking winner. I love Landry, <laughs> but I feel like the, like the the best should end up with each other. I felt I felt bad for Landry. Landry like can't fucking catch a break. He no. he murdered well, someone he, and got he, away with it. I could say, I will say that he can, can catch a break. <laughs> well, all right, fine. But like he murdered somebody for Tyra, and then Tyra just fucking left him. And, but he smashed him. What? He smashed. Well, yeah, but I mean, he, he was That's, fucking in love with Tyra. Landry's problem is he, he shoots for the moon and he just somehow misses the stars. Like he, <laughs> oh my always, god, it's beautiful. He, yeah. he always shoots way out of his league. Like Landry Clark has no business talking. He tries to, to kick to the sixty-yard field goal every time. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jess way out of his league. Tyra way out of. But his league. But he's got game though. He fucking runs her over and is like, "Sup? <laughs> Guess we got some paperwork to fill out, girl." Between murder and like vehicular uh, instances, yeah. he has a real like strange way of. Like, you know, how they do, but he closes. He does. <laughs> they do recuts like on that. Those are, everyone oh, yeah, on like the, the five, five days of yeah. summer one. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Uh, Always Sunny recut as a horror or something. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. You could recut this as Landry as like, like a rapist psychopath. Oh, yeah. Who just runs over and murders to get in the girls fact pants. that he's played by Jesse Plemons doesn't it help his case helps. either. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Jesse Plemons, real quick, I thought he put on weight for a movie. And that movie has just lasted like three years. Like, like, <laughs> like I saw him in the first trailer for Black um, Mass. For Black Mass, and yeah. I was like, "Oh, he's playing like a fat Southie guy." Uh, nice. And it, that was three or four years ago, and it's just that's Jesse Plum. Now he just he found was, out about snacks. He, he was pretty he's, fat in Fargo. Fargo, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was huge. That scene where he's burning his clothes. Yeah, yeah. he's, he's standing there in his underwear. <laughs> 
I still got to watch Fargo. Um, he's method acting. He honestly, he he honestly like, look, might look better as a fat, slightly fat guy. I think it fits him more than like that, the that, gaunt, that, that's a thing. weird, blonde, like, that's blonde, a thing. redhead certain, thing. Certain body types are better for different people. I mean, I think that just because Jesse Plemons is such an ugly man that if, it's if like, he's, oh, he's fat, fat, then you like, look and you'd be like, describe like, oh, him. Teddy bear. He's fat. You won't be like, describe him. What the fuck is with that face? I bet he kills people. Does he kill people? He probably kills people. Um... Yeah, we will not be having Jesse Plemons as a guest. Jesse Plemons yeah. does not join us during this week. Um, By the way, if we all die, it was Jesse Plemons. <laughs> like, prop in general. Yeah. Just pin it on him. Right. Um, but I thought that Landry, uh, I think it worked kind of promoting him into something of, uh, I, I keep saying main characters, like with Billy and Mindy and, um, and I guess Landry. I feel like there's fewer like main characters but there's like a bigger ensemble cast if that makes sense i think that that's kind of what what happens and i think that it's good for landry in an increased role i think that billy and mindy is an awesome thing that if the if in season one you were to tell me these two end like uh tyra's sister and billy end up getting together and like two of the seasons are about their home front, I'd be like, all right, I don't want to watch the show anymore. But it's so fucking good. The uh, the stuff with Becky once she gets there is great. Everything about it I love. Yeah, they're awesome. Um, yeah, they're great. They, I wonder now, it makes me wonder if like that, if they're like a future Coach Taylor and Tammy, like if that if that's what Eric and Tammy were like as like young lovebirds, because they reference it a lot and how they were like super young and had a kid. And I wonder if they were as fucked up as Billy and Mindy before coming the rock and stability of all of our lives. <laughs> I uh, can't imagine Billy Riggins being a young coach Taylor. I think that's true. I think that Billy Riggins <laughs> fancies himself a young coach Taylor though. Like oh, doesn't yeah. uh, like for sure, but uh, he can fancy himself whatever he wants. It doesn't mean he's it. <laughs> um, I love, I love Billy Riggins. Um, how do we feel about the chop shop? Uh, because I feel like, you could say this is the point at which the show jumps the shark, but guess what? In season two, they murder somebody, so <laughs> that shark's long been jumped, so they can pretty much introduce a chop shop and like crazy, real, illegal criminal activity, and that's quite all right. I thought it was awesome. Like I remember I was watching uh, I was like binge watching uh, the show, and I was like sleepy as I got to that part. And, like, it fucking woke me up. Like, it got my attention. I was like, now Billy Riggins has gone from being a dumb kind of lovable loser to a fucking legitimately bad guy. And but I was into it. That I, Yeah, I totally believe the chop shop. You yeah. Know, a guy down, not not down on his luck, but he's been down on his luck his whole life, who needs money because he's got a kid. He has an automobile shop. Like, the the natural progression there is let's, let's start. <laughs> and he sucks at cars. fixing cars. Right, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I can destroy them. I can't fix them, but I'll take them apart for you. Um, I, I mean, like, I, I totally agree with that. I was kind of bummed because it felt like they were building up to this, like, feel-good story. Like, the Riggins brothers are finally going to like, get it together. They're going to fucking, like, have this great thing to their name. And then all of a sudden, like, it just completely does well, a 180. See, that's you want, you want why, that's, but I think that's realistic. That's why I... That's what I love about their story is that it ends in sadness because, like, Tim's always been, like, the guy you kind of wish you were where it's like, yeah, he peaked in high school. But, like, if you could go back and fucking just own high school, you'd mm. probably still do it. Like a, like, a little part of your brain is still like, I would sacrifice the rest of my life to go back and just be Tim Riggins in high school. And it's kind of just a reminder. Like, at the end, he goes to jail. Like, there is no happy ending for that guy mm. who, who peaked in high school. And I, like, the, the, the season finale kind of was eh. But the like I hate I hate that West Dillon wins, right? No, East Dillon. East Dillon's the one he's at. I hate that East Dillon wins. Why? And just because they wouldn't fucking beat West Dillon. I know, but you you just said earlier in this episode in this you're not podcast the kind of guy that, who's yeah. like no, I know, and I'm and I was like fine in the moment. But, but you were like, saying like so you were you were rooting for yeah. I I get that. Um, I would have taken a close game, but like anyway, it doesn't I'm, matter. But I I wish that they lost and Tim got arrested. But I love Tim going to jail. I think that the scene in which they get busted is was perfectly done because so all Tim wanted to do was not be in college, not have major responsibilities, kind of have a job where he goes in, punches the clock, and leaves. And he's doing this job. He's working on fixing a car. He's not breaking it down. He's actually doing the, the real Riggins rig stuff, drinking a beer, 
and playing good some at air it. guitar and right like and it, like they he do was living the dream. They do in so his much building mind. up, even with him doing so m- many criminal things, of like the idea of peace of mind for Tim Riggins, because that was something that he never had to worry about when he was in high school. Because as you said, he owned high school. He never had to think about winning anyone's approval or anything. And once he gets out of high school and he drops out of college, I think that there's sort of this like, all right, what are you going to do Identity now, Tim? Crisis. Right, and yeah. he has this, I mean, I, I mentioned earlier, he wants to go hunting and no one wants to go hunting with him. Can you imagine a time in Tim Riggins' life prior to that when he wanted to do something and everybody he knows is like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Stupid Matt Saracen, who's like failing at art right now, is the only person who wants to go with you. So... Like he becomes fixated on the idea of land and having a house and all these things, and like once he's achieved them all, then it all comes crumbling down. Perfectly, perfectly done. I love that shit. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. And then it also serves the purpose of advancing Vince's plot into like the Wire East Dillon, with he uses he starts stealing cars to get money with the chop shop to put his mom in rehab, which is like. Very admirable, but yeah. that whole thing is set up from the chop shop itself. I loved his mom, too. Yeah, she's is, great. I feel like, especially in network TV, like, drug addicts are so typecast. Where, like, the they're drug always addict, doing drugs. They're always, like, <laughs> horrible people, and they, like, they're always destructive. And, like, you can tell like, she's just, like, a real addict. She's, yeah. yeah. She's... Yeah. Like she wants to be better, she just because when she's she when she's like a, clean, she's a person with a drug addict, yeah, a right. drug addiction. Yeah, it's always. But I feel like like drug addicts are always painted as just like monsters. Because whenever Whereas she's clean, like, she's she wants to real. do. She wants to like do good. Like she's grocery shopping and yep. she wants to make food for everybody. Yeah, but then the second she very clear two different sides of her. Yeah, that's yeah, that's uh, a a good point. Uh, I'm trying to think of how to really delve into the Vince conversation because we've touched on him stealing Jess and all of us. Being in favor of that, yeah, and uh, hey, wait, I I was rooting for Landry, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, I guess let's get into Luke. Um, Love Luke. I I, I want to mention first th- that we had touched touched on racism uh, earlier in the in the series. Okay, uh, the part where Coach Taylor comes in and there's like tryouts for all these players for East Dillon, and they all like have no idea what they're doing. And then they all like, want to be the quarterback. Yeah, they're all like <laughs> they all suck. They don't know what the hell they're doing, and they're realizing that hey, this is going to be difficult. And Coach Taylor fucking screams at him on like day one or day two, and he's like, and there are a couple of people who are like, fuck this. Well, he I'm kicks off. Here. Uh, what's his what's what's his friend? Calvin. Calvin. Yeah. 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 And then so he's like, anybody else who doesn't want to be here, get the fuck out. And like before that, the room is like. There's like 35 black kids. Oh, everyone in the who quits room. is black. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, then all the kids start walking out, and it goes back and shows the room, and there's like four black kids now. It's, uh, yeah, like Ruckles is there. You're like, you're not even on the show yet. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is, it was a great show. There was a lot of racial versus racism <laughs> themes in every second of the show. Um, but I feel like for network TV, this show got like this season, especially like with the whole Carol Park situation. We can talk about it later, but that was I feel great, like yeah. it like it did a good job for network TV. There were certainly some instances <laughs> where it went astray, but it it kind of got there. I said this before, you guys. So uh, the when they're trying to get the lights on in Carol Park, and yeah. uh, they're they meet with the uh, it was like a, a former criminal or something. Yeah, yeah D'Angelo criminal. from The Wire. He's in the Wire too. Yeah. So, so that's Alan Strange. I was telling you guys before uh, there was a show on Nickelodeon called Alec, uh, Alan Strange, and it was basically like a male version, a male and so black version of uh, Alex Mack. Interesting. And yeah, it's it's him. Um, but yeah, I was I, all I wanted to do was talk about Alan Strange. There, that was the <laughs> only point I had. Um fuck. Luke. Right. Oh yeah, let's 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 get into Luke. Um real before we do that, okay. let's let's acknowledge the fact that it is fact that Luke Keekley Luke Cafferty is Luke Keekley. Yeah. That that boy was really good at football and he has become Luke Keekley. There's no convincing <laughs> me otherwise. They're the same fucking person. Wait, like like actor mean? Matt Loria is Luke Keekley's it's, it's I'm saying that that actor is Luke Keekley. 
That's that's what's <laughs> happened. Google Luke Luke Kigley. They're the same fucking like person. in a in a Megan like, Trainer and Sean Kingston are the same person kind of way. Or are you saying they are like literally these like actual? They're like twins. They're the same. Oh, okay. Person. So they're, they're they're two different people, but they're very very similar. Right. He read up. He saw the plot line where Julie like went to BC. All. What are you talking about? Don't look alike at all. Google, put Luke Kigley. So speaking of racist, go side by they side. Look, they look exactly alike. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I know what Luke Kigley looks like, so I'm not going to Google this. Uh, I don't know if I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Here. Yeah, all right, it, it looks better when I see him <laughs> together, but I don't know. Uh, I was a big fan of Luke Cafferty. He looks I, like a white guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's 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 fine, but that, they look like the same white guy. I was a big fan of of Luke Cafferty. Uh, I did not like, as we discussed previously, the huge, huge plot hole of moving Tim Riggins. To fullback in season three, or to halfback, when you have this kid already on your roster, and he's supposedly like the best halfback in the state. But uh, I liked, I liked most of Luke's storylines. I thought that the abortion stuff with Becky um, got a little, got a little out it. of control. <laughs> Didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, that one spiraled out. But yeah, he's like, no, that was good because that's that led to Tammy. Tammy yeah, they needed. Oh yeah, the they, they needed to... like a huge thing for Tammy yeah. as well. But Luke's introduction is just awesome too. Like he's super honest with Tammy. Like first he lies about and he like cries, he yeah. cries, and you're just like, holy shit! Like this is what like a normal kid I feel like would act like. like yeah. No. No. Yes. No. <laughs> so that's a great scene. I, I remember that. Like I remember video game cheats. Like the up, up, down. up down, down, or whatever it is. <laughs> I guess, right. I guess I remember oh, what to get the drugs. Those. Yeah. No. No. Yes. No. Does Does Luke become like a drug addict at, at some point in the season? Well, he buys drugs illegally um, and uses them. So with the I don't know no, that makes you an no, addict. No, yes, no. Yeah. That's how he gets them. Well, that's how legally. he gets them. So like, no, no, yes, no, which is oh, some seedy shit. Legally. That's the that's the clean thing that he yeah. does. And then he goes to doesn't he? Does he, he goes get to from Carol Calvin? Park. No, he goes to Carol Park. I, oh, it might be right, from Calvin. Right. And, and Tinker, Tinker sees, sees him. Tinker. Tinker. That's a bromance. The Tinker Luke bromance yeah. is one of my favorites. Well, I forgot that he sees him limping around like in the dark. Yeah. And what? That's such a classic. Like naive white kid way to get drugs, like just go <laughs> just to, show up to a park. Just, just go, oh, like, to black, oh, there are black people that hang out here. <laughs> like, do you, you got drugs? Have, I forget what he's trying to buy, like oxy or. I think it's oxys. Yeah, yeah. He's like, do you guys got oxys? Like, no, dude. I'm fucking here playing <laughs> fucking two hand Dutch football with my son. <laughs> get the hell out of here. I like that they wrapped that one up pretty quick. They were just like, it wasn't like drawn. It, the benefit of like the 13 episode season, they're just like. Luke's on some shit, and then Coach finds out, and he's off, and it's over. It's well, basically like uh, like Riggins' alcoholism. It's like, yeah. he, uh, I'm going to quit alcohol, and then like an episode later, he's drinking casually. Yeah, exactly. The only thing that I... like, I mean, I knew watching it there was going to be a fifth season, and that he was c- probably going to be a big part of it, but that injury didn't really rock my world, I think, the way it was supposed to rock everyone's world, because it's like, this team sucks. They lost like their first six games. They fucking forfeited the first game. They're not going to go to the playoffs. They've got nothing to play for, so why does it matter? Like, Why is Coach Taylor so pissed that... Like he was trying to to play through an injury. Well, he was pissed because he's Coach Taylor, and he cares. He says, "You know, you're hurt. You go, you go be hurt." He wasn't mad that he was like ruining the team. He was mad that he was ruining himself. Yeah, like a, like a dad would do. Like, don't be a fucking idiot. You're hurt. But it's like, don't be a molder of men. Like, I'd I'd, but, I'd rather see I'd rather see Luke fucking. What does he have to off. What does he have to do for his job though? Like, he's it, the wins don't matter. He has to mold the men. That's true. Yeah. Well, like. I, now that he's at a coach where now that he's at a job where he can miss the playoffs and not get fired, I mean he goes to state and gets fired. So yeah, you uh, mentioned one thing that I, I want to touch on. I've never been more upset with Coach Taylor than when he forfeited that game. That was oh, yeah. bullshit. Yeah, that was that was pretty bullshit. That was I, I was legitimately mad. I think I would have done it. Like I would no DJ. They, like they were like actually dying. <laughs> like. Their players were I, about to I rest think in peace. You at least like put it to a vote. Like, do you guys want to finish this game? Right. Or you can do it like dump it on them. Be like, you guys, like, do you guys even want to play? And like, get someone to be like, fuck this. Be like, all right, we're forfeiting because that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick it on somebody else. I don't think you just go uh, like off on your own and be like, you know what, we're not playing the second half of this game. I mean, I think that for the sake of the story, though, it was important for them to forfeit that game because you think that you're starting low, that like you're starting kind of at the bottom, yeah, and then they dip you down as far as they can go, and then they kind of rebuild it with 
him paying out of pocket for some sick uniforms. Great uniforms. Yeah. I'll take the, I mean, as you guys can see in the, the album art for, for this podcast, those, those red unis are I, sweet. I still, liked, I, still liked, I still like Dylan's. Coach yeah. never looks Blue and yellow and, and blue and orange. He can't beat those. those mm. like, like the Sabres so and the like, oil uniforms are two of my favorite. I thought you were going to say like Boise State or something like no, that. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Under Armour thing was like a I, heavy I liked, product. I, I, weird. I liked yeah. it, but it was like, all right, they're trying to make some money here. Right. They literally have like an Under Armour salesman. And I mean like the, the actual like storyline made sense. Like mm. he's got to pay out of pocket because the school's so fucking poor. I love when they're doing the uh, – when they're doing like the parade or whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah. They're trying to raise money. And it's like all of the money is from Eric Taylor, yeah. just like ones that he picked up from the landing strip, and he's. <laughs> and they have to get the uniforms because in a team bonding ritual, they, they lit them all on fire, <laughs> right. which didn't seem well, like a great choice. That's why, like the whole time during that storyline, I was like, "Well, this all could have been avoided if you didn't burn your old right, jerseys. If you didn't light all your shit on fire." Um, we have not touched on one of my favorite new characters. He's, I mean, he's not the level of, of Virgil or Jess or anything. He's a bit of a minor character. Uh, how do we feel about Stan Traub? Uh, because, yes, gotta say, huge, huge fan. Love that guy. He's amazing. He's he's so he's like a new comic relief, like along with he's the replacement for Glenn. Yeah, replacement for Glenn. Uh, I need a refresher. Who Stan Traub? He's the gay Stan. guy. He's the gay coach. Which, by the way, season oh, okay, four. Yeah, season the guy from four, um, the guy from Sears. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was getting. Yo, okay. I, I thought what, if whatever. you were going to say the guy from the Wire, I was going to. No, 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 the guy who works. Like, at, right, I get it. Everyone's who, in the Wire. Who works no, at Sears. but they use it's almost the same outing scene as a scene in the Wire where they out someone. It's just like randomly, inexplicably, the most random character that you would not expect is just in a gay bar that they're at. It's like holy shit. So they're like copying lines for or plots from the Wire as well. If, we, if we're talking about uh, ridiculous things and like unbelievable things, such as East beating West or Coach getting fired, a gay bar in Dillon, Texas. Is yeah. So yeah. it's, it's yeah. outside of Dillon. They clarify that because okay. Saracen says to Julie when uh, she's going to go to Steers with uh, what's her name? Uh, uh, Devin. With Devin. Um, is that what it's called? Steers, yeah. I so I just watched that episode Steers today. <laughs> it's also the episode where Tim really wants to go hunting. So um, when Julie Maybe says that's she's, what he meant, Maybe the secret underlying message mm, is that Tim Riggins is gay. Right. It's like no one will come to. Yeah. Ooh. Well, so Devin's Tim's going hunting for Steers. <laughs> Devin had no problem finding someone to go to Steers with her though, because Julie was a good friend, and Tim, in his search for peace of mind, could not find someone to go to a gay bar with him. But. Um, it's she. Uh, Julie tells Matt that she wants to go to Steers, and he's like, "There's a gay bar in Dylan," and she's like, "No, obviously not. It's outside. Of, I, we're an intolerant people." Yeah, I was Matt. gonna say Dylan's yeah. a lot of things, but it is not a tolerant place. Although you know what, season four of Friday Night Lights getting a little progressive. They introduce uh, a gay character, a, a second gay character, and they have a scene in a gay bar, but. Uh, Total st- running time thirty five seconds. And like, when yeah, and right. when, when Julie and did they even did they even really clarify that the coach was gay? I mean, so, he was in the gay bar, but he said that he wasn't gay. So right. So Julie says to him at the the barbecue or whatever, like, I won't tell. Yeah, she's like, I won't tell, and he's like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about, man. I was at a. I mean, I, I, think I was at Bros. I think the message there is that he's gay, but like they never clarified, never yeah. went back to it. Yeah. No. Uh, your boy Glenn, by the way, returns very ble- briefly. Does he? He shines like a shooting star. He kisses Tammy this episode, this season. This is the season in which he kisses yeah. Tammy? Yeah. Wow. Why didn't I plan like 45 yeah, minutes of material for at, that? He's still in, yeah. I, and he, uh, and he, he confronts him. Yeah. That's what, oh, that, that confrontation is <laughs> Well, amazing. he doesn't necessarily confront him where Glenn Glenn kind of forces him to confront yeah. him. Yeah. And Coach and, kind of just like, like a mosquito, like because he's a man. He's just yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay, Glenn. He Whatever. literally <laughs>, laughs. <laughs>, yeah, what did he like, say? He's like, like, he's like, I, I don't know what it won't happen again. Coach's like, yeah, fucking obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck, how did I not realize that that happened this season? I think I may have thought it was season three. Yeah, because it happens when Tammy goes out with the people from East Dillon trying, the Blue Ribbon to, Award. Yeah. trying to, uh, to make friends. Yeah. Fuck. No, they, I, aren't they celebrating that the school they're just celebrating won? The, the, that's a second one. But yeah, they're celebrating the school getting a Blue Ribbon Award, right. which is like, fuck, we need to think of a name for this award that we can give a school. Uh, <laughs> Blue, Blue Ribbon. Ribbon. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> Moving on. 
Uh, this is an interesting season for Buddy Garrity. For me, I would say that it's maybe Buddy's quietest season. Oh, yeah. I think it's Buddy's uh, quietest, but like in a like a good positive totally. sense, where it's like yeah. it's a grounding season for Buddy Garrity. Yeah, because um, he was like the big shot through like the first three seasons, who were instrumental and like thought that he was. I think that Buddy thought he was more important than oh, he actually certainly. was. Oh, certainly, yeah. And uh, we talked earlier about um, with Dylan, you're seeing the same thing that you've always seen, but you're kind of learning to appreciate it in a different way to be like, oh, okay, <clears throat> Dylan, for as much as they want all this shit, they're pretty bad people and they're going about it in fucked up ways. Buddy is like the main way that's communicated to us. That It's like, all right, now that they don't really need him anymore... And now that they have Wade Aikman running the show, they're just going to fucking push this guy out. And that, for me, I mean, I'm not the hugest Buddy Garrity guy, but that's heartbreaking because that's his entire life. Yeah, he's lost his family once, and now he's losing his, like, real family. Like, his that- family again. Like, I think he cares more about the Panthers I was going to say, the, the, the family. You were right with real family. Yeah, yeah. real family. The family over which he neglects his real family <laughs> exactly. is now pushing him away. Like, yes. his, fam- his real family, he pretty much leaves himself. Like, he, yep. he yeah. does all the things that lead to yeah. his demise there. This one, he just, he's helpless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of uh, like a willingness to go to all the weird shit a, th- a show throws at you, when uh, Traub and uh, and Eric are trying to get the East Dillon um, alumni involved, and no one really cares, and they're kind of blowing them off. I love that Buddy is the reason that they end up. Force. Yeah. Like, he ends up being the the liaison, and it's not really explained why. But they're just like so excited. I mean, I could see it, Buddy. I feel like if you're, a, I mean, if you're a football guy, Buddy is the guy that you want to be around because he, yeah, will I guess, love every second of it. And he's, he's like the like mayor the of guy. football yeah. in uh, in Dylan. Do we miss any of the characters who have departed? Do we miss Lila? Do we miss Tyra? I, miss Tyra. I thought Tyra was. Tyra a good became so fucking good, and again, it's the greatness of the show that they can build this character up. Take her away, and the show still gets better. And I inter- yeah. and I would and I was always interested in her like her relationship with Landry because it was always so strange, and you never really knew what was going to happen next with them. And I, it just like felt weird to me that they abandoned two whole seasons of like building up their relationship, and then just like wrote Tyra away. Well, I mean, that's kind of th- maybe they were just trying to be true to life. Like sometimes that happens. Um, I mean, especially with, like, high school or whatever, like, you make friends, and then once they go their separate ways, like, whatever you had, it's just, like, gone. And you have that scene with uh, Landry when he's on the phone, and he's kind of talking himself through <laughs> the situation, and he realizes he's like, oh, right, Tyra doesn't give a fuck about me. Exactly. But I'm sure that she's, like, she became a fucking doctor or something and <laughs> just totally crushed it. She came back and banged Tim one more time, but... The, um... What was he gonna say? Him, he like him forcing her out was my favorite. What do you mean? Because we're talking about Tim and Lila, right? No, uh, we were talking about Tyra, but we're talking oh, about, the, 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 about the, Lila. The, we're talking back. about the Sorry. departed I, characters, I, I get, though. I, the Lila does come back for a minute. Lila comes back quickly. Sarah that Sarah was dad's funeral. Yeah, that that was one of my. Which I don't I know if I believe that. Why were they would she go to that she would come back from Tennessee? Yeah, I don't, to, I don't like remember them being tight. I think you come back for that. It's such a small community, and they were like. That's they're they're close enough. That I think you come back for the the dad funeral there. You don't come back for the grandma funeral, but you come back for the dad. Lorraine funeral. will live forever. <laughs> oh, um, Lorraine. But what I wanted to say when we, earlier when we were talking about Tim was we got in a fight early on about his um, character and how you're like he's got a piece of shit. And I was like, no, like when push comes to shove, he always makes you do the right thing or he does the right thing. Like him making Lila leave. Because he's like, you're never going to be fucking happy here. As as what does she want to be? She wants to be the. Uh, what does she want to? She be? wants to be like the accountant or whatever, the manager of Riggins. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's like, no, stop. Like, don't sell yourself short. Yeah, right. she, the office manager or something like yeah. that. And uh. he's like, no, you need to go back to Vanderbilt. And like that's that's Tim Riggins. He's he's a strong character man. I think that he's like, nah, we're not uh, trying to create a, a third position. We kind of only want to have two employees, so this isn't good for business. <laughs> Just get the fuck out of here. Um, I think that it was good for Tim's sake, for Tim's story's sake, that, that Lila was gone. Because as long oh, as Lila was there... She would have been insufferable during lo- the, the, right. the car-crushing, uh, the stripping <laughs> right. parts. Holy uh, shit. Tim, <laughs> what are you doing? 
I don't know. I feel like he could have just done that behind her back. I mean, uh, Billy did it behind Mindy's back. Right. Yeah, she would have known about that. But yeah, Lila but might be a she little... She would have got involved. Lila might be a little... Yeah, she's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done some fucked up things she in my Skyler life. She Skylar Whites it. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, exactly. All right, so that's the season four roundtable. Let's jump into our interview with D.W. Moffat, who played uh, Joe McCoy. He was awesome. So here goes that. All right, we're here with uh, D.W. Moffat, a.k.a. Joe McCoy, uh, who is... I'm sorry about this. But you are such an asshole, but it means that you did such a great job. Yes. I, I thank you very much. I, you know, you talk to any actor who's been around for a while, and they'll all tell you assholes are the most fun to play. And particularly when you get to play an asshole against someone like Kyle Chandler, who is such a, you know, he's such a, like, you know, the moral man, right? The, the upstanding citizen. And when you get to take the piss out of him and Connie Britton on a regular basis, there's nothing more fun than that. You're also the only character who really has free reign to be a dick to Buddy Garrity because everyone tolerates Buddy Garrity because he's got the money and they, they kind of need him for something. Your priority was to push Buddy out, so you were the only one who could just like be a straight-up asshole to the, the one kind of sad sack of the series. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an amazing, it, it was an amazing evolution because when I signed on to do that show, the only scene that I read was the scene when I walk into Coach's office with the cigar and the bottle of whiskey and tell him that I want my son to play for him. That was the only thing I had ever read. That's what I auditioned with, was that scene. Hmm. I had no idea to what depths my character would sink. And so each week I would get a script and I'd go, oh, my God, this is so good. And, you know, like I was mentioning before, with these deals, you know, you, they sign you up for four and you agree to do four. And then they say – well, we want you to do two more, and then we want you to do three more. And then the agents started asking for more money, and then we were sort of – we were at an impasse of season three. And I was flying home to L.A., and they had offered me the rest of the season, and my agent was like, you've got to pay them. And they were like, we can't. We can't afford to. We don't need money. Jeez. And the director, Jeremy Reiner – Jeff Reiner, Jeff Reiner – came up to me in the airplane and said, dude, I understand. I totally, totally get it. But I have to tell you, if you do this season, you will not regret it. And I really liked Jeff. I really liked him. And I trusted him. And he was right, you know, because I didn't know that I'd be like beating my son up. You know, I didn't know that I would become this sort of. Basically a monster. Really, yeah, monster, which was really, really fun to play. By yeah. the way, we, we had mentioned before, uh, you look exactly like a rich dad who uses his money to like screw people yes. over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, there you go. It's it's unbelievable, and like so, you also uh, you also have a background in invest in investment banking. Is that correct? Uh, commercial lending. Okay. I was, uh, so. Uh, are there enough like dickish qualities that you were able to pull from that? And be, like, I guess, how do you cultivate someone who, um, in so many ways, is like so smugly awful to people? Well, you know, it's funny, but the guy that introduced us, you know, Field, Field, and I, Field I'm a lot older. Shouts to yeah. Field, friend of the podcast. Right, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lot older than you guys. So, but. You know, I grew up with Phil's mom, and, and we went to this place called Nantucket Island, which when we started going there back in the 50s and the 60s was really like the end of the world and was, you know, not this blue blood thing. But over time, you know, it's been taken over by, you know, people with a lot of money. And believe me, all you need to do is, is go hang out at the beach on Nantucket in August, and you'll see 18 of these guys. Um all sitting around, you know, sit, you know, patting themselves on the back and how rich they are and shit. 
So you uh, you talked about how fun it is to play somebody who is so hated, but this I feel like the the Friday Night Lights fan. The, the the viewership is very passionate. Did you receive like any sort of backlash or like hate from people who were like, "You are ruining the show"? I, you know what's funny? I received a little bit of that, but I have to say, and this is a credit to the FNL fan base. Most of them had seen me do other stuff, hmm. and most of my other work, at least in sort of mainstream television is kind of like the part that I do on this show called Switch to Birth, which is like this, you know, the nicest dad in the world. Maybe with some wrinkles, but a seriously nice guy. And so they were like, is it possible that someone who can be so nice on one show can be such an asshole on another show? And they would sort of compliment me on it. So, you know, in, in a sense, I think people who watch that show in general – had a certain depth and intelligence that they sort of appreciated what was going on. I was going to bring that up. Like, so you didn't have, you weren't well known for playing villains. So when you get this role, and I know that you said the, the scene that you uh, tested with was not a, a horrible thing. What's it like as someone who doesn't play villains a lot to be like, all right, so basically your role is to be the guy who beats up kids and divides a town. You know, here's the deal. Um, the any actor will tell you bad guys are only bad because other people say they're bad when you're playing a bad guy you're just doing what he does you're just sort of obeying his set of rules so you're not thinking when you're playing Joe McCoy oh I'm a bad guy you you know Joe McCoy literally thought that he needed to knock some sense into his kid and he literally thought he could do a better job of running Dylan football than coach. Seriously. Like, straight up. And so that's the whole trick. You know, the trick is don't play a bad guy like you're playing a bad guy. We had, uh, we had this discussion uh, beforehand, uh, before the interview. Uh, who do you think – did you compare the McCoys to anybody going into the show? Uh, because the obvious conclusion, the, the comparison that I made – which I thought was obvious, was the Manning family. But DJ also said that... I thought that J.D. McCoy was Jimmy Clausen. <laughs> Wasn't... Oh, you're a Chicago guy, too, so you've actually had to put up with Jimmy Clausen before. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, d- don't, don't you remember, like, Jimmy Clausen was hyped to no fucking end for years, like, when, when he was, like, a middle school and everything. So when I saw yeah. J.D., which I watched the show as an adult, not, not when it was on at the time, and I was like... Oh, man, this kid is J.D. Clausen. <laughs> well, you know, I think that having been in California as long as I have been, even though I'm originally from Chicago, you know, we have these high schools out here. And you, you read about these. I had read articles about these quarterback camps, about crazy amount of money these parents spend on these, like, quarterback gurus. So I knew about all that shit. I didn't. I didn't equate the McCoys to any specific family, but because I'm kind of a you know a sports nerd and kind of you know follow the Bears and I follow sports, I, I sort of knew I knew this shit was going on. You know, I knew that this kind of like crazy overdevelopment of high school level quarterbacks was going on. So I, mean, I use I use that to a certain extent. Uh, you mentioned uh, the uncertainty with your character in season three. Uh, the the McCoys in season four, they kind of, I mean, they stick around. They get beaten by uh, Coach Taylor, and then they just kind of go away. Was that supposed to happen, or was did the, the financial aspect and like the, the employment aspect of it factor into that? Here's what I know. If NBC had come to me and Jeremy Sumter and said, we're going to pay you guys to be series regulars in season five, are you interested? I'm pretty sure we both would have said yes. Hmm. I know I would have said yes. I'm pretty sure Jeremy's people would have said yes. But the unfortunate fact was that the viewership at the time 
when when FNL was actually on the NBC schedule, they did not have great numbers. So they kept whittling their budget down. And so they couldn't afford to pay people really anything more than kind of union scale for being on a show. And I know Jeremy at the time, you know, he's like 21 or 20, whatever the hell he was. That's like, you know, that's the time when you're supposed to go get a lead in a CW show or whatever, you know. And so his agents said, you can't do this to him. We've already given you two seasons. You can't do this to him. And they were like, well, this is all we can do. And so I think once Jeremy, once Jeremy, I mean, this is how I understand it. Again, I don't know what happened all in the back room, you know. But once Jeremy was sort of unable to figure out a way to stick around for more money, there's no reason to have dad around if he's not around. So the whole thing kind of fell apart, I think. They could have had the dad kill the kid. (laughs) There you go. I was I was up for that or drive off a cliff or something, you know. Right. Yeah. I was a little surprised, I will say, I was a little surprised that there wasn't some kind of resolution, whether it be yeah. I got caught with a librarian or he killed somebody drunk driving and we fled town. I was surprised as well, but you know that was just the Jason was so skillful at writing stories, he just didn't figure he needed to tie it up, just let it just sort of linger on. Oh, no. It's so fucking important to know whether or not like Taylor got his revenge and ruined these guys' lives, or if they were like, you know what, we found a better school, and like we took him to this prep school, and yeah, he's going to go first I, overall one day. You know what, I can't, I can't answer that question. It's sort of, it's always, I've always thought to myself, you know, I think Jeremy and I were both very interested in. We have been. We would have been very interested in um, wrapping it up, you know. But it just never happened. Never happened. What was your uh, What was your relationship with uh, a lot of the people on set? I mean, you, you keep referring to Jeremy, so you. It seems like you had a pretty good relationship. Uh, what was the relationship down at, down in Austin? And and because we we talked to a few people who have said that they had great relationships down there. You know, Jeremy. Jeremy and I worked well together. I was a lot older than Jeremy, so we didn't hang out that much. Um, but um, let me tell you a story. Um, so I knew I knew Connie. We had done a movie together and we were from the same neighborhood. So she was really sweet, but we didn't have that much interaction except for a little bit in season four. But early on in season three or maybe midway, like I shot that first scene, the one with coach where I take the whiskey bottle and the cigar to him. And that aired pretty quickly after I had shot it. And I'm at base camp. I don't really know anybody. And Taylor Kitsch walked up to me and he goes, hey, man, I saw the show last night. Did you see the show? And I was like, no, man, I was, uh, you know, I, I was at home in L.A. I didn't see it. And he goes, you did a great job, man. You did really good work. You know, like, thank you so much for coming here and, like, you know, not killing it like that. Like, that's it was awesome. And that was kind of indicative of how people treated each other on that set. Wow, that's crazy. That's, that's awesome. Uh, so you know yeah. Connie Britton. Uh, you yeah. also know uh, our friend Kevin Spacey, who's a friend of the podcast, because he time and time again politely tells us uh, he's unable to come on. <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, you can, you can now mention to him that I have come on and that I have recommended highly that he come on. Yeah, Excellent. we should be like, yeah, we should be like, he, uh, DW tasted the drink. There's no poison. He's, <laughs> he says it's clear. So c- come on, Kevin. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be very interested. You should come on. You, you know, good, good luck with that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, I'm not sure my, uh, my endorsement's going to help you guys too much. He's a, he's his own, he's his own master, Kevin. Is he? I mean, is he? I mean, he seems like the most, I mean, aloof isn't even the right word. Just like, like insanely interesting through and through and through. What is he like? Kevin is probably, he is, I think, without a doubt, 
the greatest stage actor of our generation, American. Mm. And, you know, that's saying a lot. It's kind of a dying art in, in this country. You know, m- most guys that are on the stage now are in musicals and shit. But Kevin is really, you know, a great, great stage actor. Um, and to be a great stage actor, you've got to be like kind of maniacally committed to your craft. And that's what Kevin is. He's maniacally committed to theater. And as a result of that, he is, um, you know, he's a perfectionist. And, uh, but he's also an incredibly generous guy, man. I mean, you know, he's never had more fun on stage in my life than working with Kevin. He's, he's great, a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, I won't hear from Kevin for like, you know, a year, a year and a half. Same with us. And then, I'll, and then I'll get a text saying, hey, I'm in Malibu. You want to play tennis? <laughs> I'll be like, sure. You know, that's kind of how Kevin is. That's what we're um, going to do. We're going to email well, him and ask him to play tennis. Right. Now. Yeah. <laughs> be like, DW, just give us the, the handbook, the blueprint <laughs> on being friends with Kevin Spacey. Uh, DW, this was really, really fun. Uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, guys.